Good afternoon. God is good. And all the time, God is good and that is his nature. But Karibu Nisana, it's a joy to see you once again. To our visitors, we've been going through the book of Amos. Amos is one of the, he was one of the minor prophets and he was, he was given a message by God to God's people who were in the northern kingdom and gave a history about how that happened. And, 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 and so Amos goes with a message to that side and we have seen in the last couple of weeks we've been reading and studying what this message um, is saying and its relevance to us today as uh, you know the, the believers today the people who meet at Mamlaka what is it that God has for us in that message so today we are in chapter 5 we have two uh, more messages to go that is after Canon Karanja has done his part and then I'll come back and we finish with the book. But we'll take a break, hopefully, if God wills. We take a short break, then we back, we'll be back to go through this book. As a practice, we want to read the whole chapter, chapter 5. And so uh, please spare about three or so minutes so that we may read the whole chapter together. And then please, as we read it, highlight anything that you might notice there. Uh, maybe if we don't have time to go through it, you can, have, uh, you can check it out later. But uh, allow me to invite the media team just to... Uh, Give us this chapter, Amos chapter 5. Amos 5. Hear this word, Israel, this lament I take up concerning you. Fallen is virgin Israel, never to rise again, deserted in her own land, with no one to lift her up. This is what the sovereign Lord says to Israel. Your city that marches out a thousand strong will have only a hundred left. Your town that marches out a hundred strong will have only ten left. This is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. There are those who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. He who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns midnight into dawn and darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land, the Lord is his name. With a blinding flash he destroys the stronghold and brings the fortified city to ruin. There are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. You levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times. For the times are evil. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord God Almighty says. There will be wailing in all the streets and cries of anguish in every public square. The farmers will be summoned to weep and the mourners to wail. There will be wailing in all the vineyards 
for I will pass through your midst, says the Lord. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. Therefore I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. Amen. And that is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now maybe as we start that uh, to negotiate just a few minutes on top of the hour, just a few minutes uh, will extend just slightly, will not keep you for long. But as we begin, you, many of you here in our congregation, you may know that when I was a young boy and in primary school, my dream high school was Alliance High School, right? I know some of you, it's not a dream, it's a reality you went there, but for me it was a dream. <laughs> One of the top national schools, you know, so we used to hear it in the village. And so I longed to go to Alliance High School, and my first choice was to, you know, when we were given the forms to choose, my first choice was to go to Alliance High School, my second choice was also to go to Alliance High School, as well as my third and my fourth choice, to go to Alliance High School. But I had a self-evaluation of self, because when the results came out, I didn't get the marks to take me to Alliance High School. I think this is what we call the state capture, because I worked hard. <laughs> you know, I worked so hard, but, you know, I was invited and admitted to a school in our area, I mean, in Akuru. And this school was small and it was unknown. I worked hard, but about six years ago, while I was still a pastor, I found myself included in a WhatsApp group of Alliance High School students <laughs> alumni group. I don't know who added me there. I don't know how I found myself. I didn't know anyone at that moment. Actually, some, only a congregant, one congregant who later found me there and asked me, how old are you? Because I found <laughs> your number in our group. Needless to say that I have never contributed anything in that group anything substantial, lest they find me out and they smoke me out of that group. But one of the things that is quite interesting in this group is how they come together, you know, when someone is in need. Actually, the least contribution when one is in need is about 10K. 
you know, I, and you know, I, I look at that, you know, I've, I've, never, I've never pledged anything, you know, I, and you just see thousands, you know, thousands, thousands, you know, and, you know, I, I have become an ambulance in that group, you know. Wow, 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 wow. The money they contribute. And in this WhatsApp group, there are judges, there are diplomats, there are lawyers. Uh, who am I as a pastor to comment anything? And so I've enjoyed my time being there in that WhatsApp group for quite a number of years now. I've never commented anything. And I've always tried not to even share anything unless they find me in that group. Actually, they hurt me at times because they count the number of people in that group. Then they say, we want to raise this much, and they I'm included in there. <laughs> you know, if everyone in the group pledges 15 Gs, 15 Gs, we'll be good. You know, and uh, keep quiet. But last year, something happened last year, you know, as I have enjoyed in this group, you know, and, and sometimes I share ideas that I get from this group in our real, <laughs> you know, in our real group, in our real high school group. And, and, and you know, the, the guys in my real high school, they think, you know, gosh, you're such a brilliant chap, you know, <laughs> so bright. And so last year, they, they, they you know, we, the, the nation was going through a crisis because you remember that kids who were, you know, they were moving from class 8 to form 1, and there was a lot of confusion. Kids were being sent to areas that they had not applied for and all manner of things. And, 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 and parents were angry because kids were not getting perhaps the schools that they chose and all that. And one of the guys in the group, in our group, uh, in this high school, in my high, alliance high school group, my, where I am, uh, you, know, said, you know, said, hey guys, I'm looking for assistance. Um, who knows about a school that is near Nairobi? Because my nephew has been sent in a small, unknown, poor performing school in Akuru. <laughs> You know the story how it ends because one of the guys asked, which school is this? And then the guy had the boldness to, to mention my school. You know, where I went to. And guys were saying, ah, no, 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 that's not a good school. That's not a good school. You know, let's, let's help our guy. Let's help our guy. And I saw my school being roasted there live. And I was helpless about that story. I, we were... We were judged. I was, I mean, we were judged. They didn't know that I am there. You know, judgment was pronounced and I couldn't say a word. And so, we have been on a journey. And today, the, that, the, that installment in the book of Amos. You know, and we see God judging, roasting the people of Israel for the way they are behaving, for the way they are acting to one another, the way they worship him, and all manner of things. But unlike me, who was helpless when my school was being roasted in that group, God is giving them a way out. God is telling them that, you know what, you can omit this judgment. There is a way that you can run away from this judgment that is pending if you return to me, hence the title that we've been going through, the title of the series, Return to Me. And God gives them the clues. And we know that God, in this book of Amos, is talking and big about justice. And we started by saying that if you really want to know the heart of God, 
read the prophets because you see God in a way that you had never seen him. And in the prophets, the reason sometimes we don't like reading them is because they have some attributes of God that we do not like. Some attributes of God that are not palatable to us. We don't like them. We like the merciful God. We like the God who blesses. We like the God who is patient. We like a God who understands us. We like a God who redeems and who restores. But when we hear that God is a God of justice, that becomes quite a chunk for us to chew. And so God talks about justice. And I know that as we've been going through this book, sometimes you may wonder, when will God stop? God is ranting. God is complaining. When will God stop talking about justice? And perhaps be able to talk about mercy. Friends, you must see that, you must know that God is a God of justice and at the same time, he's a God of mercy. This is something that is so confounding. This is something that is profound. How can a God who punishes be the same God who extends mercy and compassion to us? Friends, God doesn't become less when he pronounces justice. He doesn't become less of his mercies. He doesn't need to leave the cup of mercy aside to extend justice. He doesn't need to remove the cup of mercy when he's extending justice. God is a God of justice as much as he's a God of mercy. And God is just because he's merciful and he's merciful because he's just. Psalm 89, we read that righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. That if God is not, there is no holiness of God and righteousness of God on one side, and there is no justice on one side, the throne of God can crumble. But we all know that it cannot. So God will forever remain a God of justice and a God of holiness or righteousness. So when we started, we talked about this uh, about God's justice and we saw in that time that God ex- encourages those who have faith in justices, especially from, hu- from fellow human beings that God sees all the things that have happened to his children and he says that vengeance is mine I will repay for them I will fight for those who are being oppressed but also on the other side, as we read from chapter 2, that also God exposes areas that we are practicing injustices. Last week we were talking about repentance and how God causes to repent of our sins. In chapter 2, he ends by saying, you know, because you are my children, then I'm going to punish you. Last week he says, you know, I'm calling you to repentance, but because you have refused you're still uh, clenching your fists. You don't want to leave your sins. Prepare to meet your God. That's what chapter 4 ends with. Prepare to meet your God. And we say that it's true that all of us, we meet God face to face. But there will be a difference. For some of us, we meet God as willing servants. And we kneel before the throne of God as we have sung today as willing servants saying that 
I have longed to see you, my Lord, and it will not be hard for us to kneel on the throne of grace where we shall worship the Lord forever and ever. But those still who have been rebellious against God, you will still kneel because the Bible tells us that every knee shall bow, but you shall kneel as a defeated rebel. I pray for us who are here at Pamlaka, we shall be received or we shall receive that ultimate prize. Welcome home, you good and faithful servant. And worshipping God face to face, when our faith shall be turned to sight, it shall not be hard. So today we pick, up, pick it up from there in chapter 5. And that's where we are camping today. We have checked the theme of that God is a God of justice, that God calls us to repentance. Today we see this uh, theme of worship. As chapter 5 says, you know, seek me and live. Look for me and live. Pursue me and live. So that's what we are going to tackle today. And so Amos continues with this discourse to the children of Israel. And chapter 5 starts with those familiar words. Hear this word or heed my voice. Listen to me, my children. He does it in form of a dirge or a funeral song. And verse 2 starts by saying, Fallen is virgin Israel, never to rise again, deserted in her own land, with no one to lift her up. And Amos here is trying to uh, personify Israel as a young woman who is full of hope, who, is, who has a future and fruitfulness. But because she has not heeded to God's word and has rebelled, then she has brought herself danger and now there is no more hope for her. And so from Amos, he's lamenting. I have shown you your sins. I have asked you to repent, but you have not heeded to God's voice. So he's mourning. And so he starts with a funeral song. And he's telling them to stop living in sin. Lest the judgment of God comes upon them. And making them to be decimated from this land completely by God's judgment. They are living in sin. And even for us today, God is still calling us to live our sinful living and to pursue him and to follow him. Because sin is like a house on a funeral procession. It only leads to the gravesite. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But at this time, they are not heeding to God's voice because at that time, as we said, Israel was prosperous, Israel was powerful, everything was working, the cost of living was manageable, Everybody was having what they want to have. They were drinking wine and enjoying and having the choices of foods. They were building marshals and many other things. So, from the outward look, they seemed to have been doing well. But deep inside, they were building or gaining their wealth by oppressing the poor, by increasing the taxes to the poor. And God hated that. And so God is not pleased with them they may think at that point that they, the way they are developing and growing and becoming a powerful force and a powerful nation, that they are beneath God's favor. That God perhaps has allowed them to do all these sinful things. 
But Amos comes to tell them God does not wink at evil and injustices. He sees and he is coming to repay. So here Amos is lamenting to awaken their spiritual conscience you know, so that they may return to God in a proper way to worship him, the God who has saved them. So in our time together, Amos gives us three reasons why God was angry with this form of counterfeit worship that the children of Israel were exercising to God. We are going to see three ways that God is angry with this worship because it was a shallow worship. God is angry with their way of worship because it was a corrupt worship or unjust worship. And finally, we see that the, the Lord is angry because it was a divided worship. Shallow, corrupt, and divided. Friends, Israel went to church. They offered their prayers and sacrifices. But their worship, Amos tells us that it was shallow form of worship. They were people who were more into the traditions and rituals, yet they derived in their sinful living. Therefore, in verse 4 of chapter 5, God calls them out and says, Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. And these three places, they are very, very important in our reading today because they were very strategic places of great spiritual heritage. One, as we saw last week, that Bethel is called the house of God. And it was named so by Jacob when he had met with God. And God had laid his many promises upon him. And so, this place that is called Bethel, where it, they were to be reminded about the promises of God, that's where they are going to do idol worship. The second place there, Beersheba. Also, this is a place where God spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and had become the center of false worship and Gilgal. This is where they camped when they left Egypt on Canaan's side. And Gilgal, God said, this, you know, this place was called Gilgal because God had said that I have rolled back the reproach of Egypt. No longer will my people be in slavery. No longer will my people be put to shame. And so Gilgal became a memorial of a permanent reminder about God's faithfulness, the one who, had, who has heard their cry and has journeyed with them all through the wilderness. Gilgal is where they camped when they got into Canaan. It is a place of rest, a place that reminded them of God's faithfulness, a place that reminded them of how God can save his people. Yet, even there, the reason why God is angry with them, it had become a place where they sin even more. These places were important and God's children would visit these places occasionally to offer their worship and their sacrifices. So these places were sacred, but in Amos' time, they had become a joke and a place of corrupt worship. And so God is angry with them. God tells them, you have desecrated these places with shallow worship. 
the places where I made holy covenants, the places where I promised my people, this place is sacred and holy. This is where you are behaving in unholy conduct. So don't go there. Don't go there. Because your pilgrimage to these places, your sacrifices in these places, is all but a pretense and doesn't have any lasting effect. God was angry with them that their religious trips had become sort of ritualistic. And the reason again why he detests this shallow worship is because also they hated the truth. They detested truth. In verse 10, if you may, please stand with me there so that you may see it for yourself. You hate the one who reproves in court and despise him who tells the truth. And many times we don't want, like the children of Israel, we don't like being told the truth about us. We don't like truth. We hate truth. And some of us, you know, we have created enmity with people who have told us the truth. We love our blind spots. I know I'm not perfect and I'm okay with that. We love and cherish blind spots. But today we must submit ourselves to God and ask him to illuminate his gracious light into those darkened spots so that we may grow in holiness, so that we may grow in character. Perhaps the challenge today is for you to ask maybe your friends, you know, in which way areas, in which way do you think I am not a growing Christian? Maybe I tell white lies. I don't know why they are called white lies. You get, I tell white lies. You know, maybe you have been caught you know, saying or sharing with someone white lies. I'm here, there was traffic. And yet we find a receipt of the expressway in your car. And there was traffic. Oh, expressway has traffic nowadays. Humble yourself and ask your spouse feedback. And here I must give a pastoral note. You feel be asked feedback Please be gracious to your spouse. Give feedback that is gracious. Don't say, all right, now because you have asked, this is it. <laughs> and you come with documents and many other things. Be gracious because you are growing in this journey of faith. This is because they may know something about you that you may not be aware of. Because it's a blind spot. You don't see it. Someone else can see but you do not see it. I'm encouraged by these words of John chapter 4, verse 23, that says, Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. So how do you take truth when someone has shared something that is truthful but yet hurting? Even here in church, does our gatherings every Sunday or Thursday when we gather for prayers or in our small groups, do those gatherings bring any change? Does our understanding of who God is decrease or increase? Because if we do not love God more, our gatherings and then our worship will become very, very shallow. So Amos challenges them on their shallow worship of God. 
Secondly, their worship was corrupt. That their surface level worship led them to oppress the poor. Verse 11 depicts this very well. You trample on the poor and force him to give your grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted large vineyards, you will not drink their wine. Their wine. That for the one who has planted something that is needed, something that they need to sustain their life, you have planted something that perhaps is just a show of luxury, but the one who can die because they don't have food, they don't have grain, you take even that which they need for sustenance from them. And God says, because your religious activities are only meant to cover the rot that is in your lives and in your hearts, I hate it, I detest it. I don't like it. I don't like it. That their Sunday worship, knowing the things that they have done to the poor people, and here perhaps the poor are not just the ones who are wearing uh, rags or are struggling financially in one way or another. Perhaps the poor is someone who is in need, someone who has got, who is in need, and you can be able to do or to give them that which they need. Perhaps it's someone who needs to experience love. Perhaps it's your husband or your wife that you said, I'm going to love you forever that day. And we clapped for you. But years down the line, you have withheld love. You know what they need to drive, but you have withheld it from them. These guys, their Sunday worship only brought a brief interruption posed to their sinful living. That's all they did. That their Sunday worship, so to speak, they are living in sin, they are corrupt, they do not have integrity, but their worship only brought a very, very brief pause. And one may look pious, but worship founded on oppressing the poor is merely a show that leads into a worship that is superficial and external and lacks something of eternal benefit. It lacks the seal of the blessings of God. God does not bless such worship. In verse 21 to verse 24, allow me to read of chapter 5, it says it's because of this corrupt worship. I hate, I despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies. Other versions, they say they, st they, they stink. Or the, the stench that comes from your worship. Verse 22, even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. God is angry because he knows that the worship that you are bringing, lifting your hands, lifting your voices, is a corrupt worship. It is not genuine. It is not sincere. It is not true. And God is saying, away from such. I'm not going to listen your, to your songs. Imagine God saying that song that you love. That song, your favorite song. Singing it in your bedroom or here in church. Asking Pastor Kaffi, when will this song be sung? Imagine God saying, that song, I will not listen to it. Away from me. 
God saying that actually it's a noise. And you hear you're loving your melody. You're loving the bridge and the, the verb. All right, Pastor Frank told me something about music, you know, today. You know, all those bridge, you know, many nice harmonies and all that. That is noise to me because of how your heart is. Friends, these are hard things that Amos is talking about. He's saying that corrupt worship is devoid of confession. In verse 12 he says, For I know how many of your offenses and your great and great your sins are. Friends, God judges with holiness. Earthly judicial systems judges on empirical evidence or witnesses of the mood. Today I feel like putting you in jail for 10 years. Just mood. But God judges with holiness. He doesn't make a mistake when he's judging his people. And friends, this is one of the areas that I've been asking God to help me throughout this week. That not to gloss over or be hypocritical of my own sins. As a child of God, not just as a pastor. For he knows them. Imagine God knows all your sins. Not just the sins that you commit when you switch off the lights or when you are away from the public spaces. The thoughts that you think about others. God knows all of them. And God does not say that they are small or short. God calls it your great sins. I know them. I know them. So friends, if we do not confess our sins to God and seek forgiveness even from those that we have hurt, then we are doomed. Or the load of sin will become heavier and heavier over time. God knows your sins and how great they are and the pain they have caused to others. But I like it because God doesn't leave us at the place of knowing. He says, I can clean them. I can wash them. I can redeem you. And this one I find in the book of Isaiah chapter 44 verse 22. Let me read it for you. Isaiah says, I have swept, and this is God, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Imagine God saying that. I know your sins, but I have redeemed you. I think we'd be doomed if only God knows our sins and we do not have the promise of being forgiven of our sins. But many times, even when God forgives our sins, many times we are unable to accept that. And we hear some people saying that, you know, I, maybe God has forgiven me of this great sin, but I cannot forgive myself. And you are elevating yourself to a place of saying that the blood of Christ that was shed on that cross that day wasn't sufficient to clean and to wash away my sins. As much as I have the promise from God, the blood wasn't sufficient. And God takes that as idol worship. God knows our sins. We must be able to accept that we have sinned against God, but also know that God has promised to forgive us. And even at times when we feel like past failures are leading us to have fear and unable to embrace God's promises, we must remember that the cross of Christ is marked, is a marked place for us to lay down our failures and our sins. Finally, the third one. We've seen that the first one that God detested their shallow worship, 
God hated their corrupt worship. And now God is saying that he hates their divided worship because it is mixed with many things. Verse 25, if you may please read with me, verse 25. God says, did you bring me sacrifices and offerings for 40 years in the desert, O house of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made yourselves. So you come with a pretense to worship me, but actually you also come to worship, or to, you come with other idols to worship them. You know, after my high school experience, uh, going to a school that was unknown, uh, not known in Akuru, I, I worked hard and I, uh, by God's grace, I was able to join college here in Nairobi. And when I joined campus, you know, I was actually with some guys from Alliance High School. You know, um, trust the process. You know, I met with, you know, I schooled with guys from Alliance and some of them I'm their pastor. Yeah. But at times when you would go for long holidays, there's something that we used to do. We used to go to the dean of the students and write on a register there that I want a letter so that I can go and look for internship or uh, short-term jobs. And that letter used to come from the dean with the signature of the, of, of, of the dean and a stamp of the university. But on the subject was written something there. To whom it may concern. You know the drill. Many times that's how we go to God. We offer staggered praise and worship. And we do not, we are not focused. Our worship is divided. It, to whom it may concern. It is not to the God Almighty. They claim to worship God, but actually their worship was mixed with idol worship. The true God who had their Christ in Egypt, the one who separated the Red Sea for them, the one who sustained them in the desert, in the wilderness, the one who, in the, while they were in the wilderness, who gave them a pillar of cloud at night, so that, a, a pillar of fire at night, so that they may not feel cold. And during the day when the sun was scorching and all that, God will provide a pillar or a cloud of a cloud so that they may be protected and shielded from the rays of the sun. The God who provided manna for them, day in, day out. They didn't even know what it was called. Actually, the word manna there is translated to something. The, the, the translation is, what is it? So the, the mom will wake up in the morning and ask the children, will you have what is it? And the children will say, uh, mommy, what are we having? What is it? What is it? What is it? They didn't know what it was. And God sustained them for 40 years, giving them all the nutrients that they needed. And their clothes were never torn for all those years. So God is reminding them, did you bring me sacrifices and offerings for 40 years in the desert, O house of Israel? I am the one who sustained you. But when they had come to the promised land and everything was looking good, now they started saying that they also need little gods. They now need to worship on a certain mountain, facing on a certain mountain. They needed to pick a jerky. I don't know how to translate that in, 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 to English. You know, uh, pick a jerk, you know, something like that. God, because maybe God is not responding. So let us have our little gods here so that in case he doesn't hear us, this can 
kupiga jeki <laughs> and this is the god who in verse 8 he who made the pleiades and orion who turns darkness into dawn and darkness into night who calls for waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land the lord is his name that's the one that they are comparing to some small gods that they have created and fashioned with their very own hands friends could we could it be also that also even for us as believers the ones who have trusted the name of god that also we have fashioned small gods in our own hands that we do not embrace god's promises of restoring or healing that we seek instead affirmations from friends spouses therapists could this gods be money sex exaltation of self could this more gods even be politics especially at this time when we'd rather listen to what the politicians are saying and we know for sure they're not going to keep their word we know for sure that within a week or two weeks we also be lamenting but now we don't want to hear god we want to hear from our politicians we have made them small gods that is divided or mixed worship friends god hates spiritual polygamy he must be worshiped him and only him to the exclusion of anything and everything else because a divided devotion robs god of his glory and he is jealous about it isaiah chapter 42 verse 8 says that i share my glory with no one god will never share his glory with anyone so divided worship becomes an empty ritual on the steps of the altar so amos points these wrongs in their worship so that they could do what was right and even for us today god is still pointing out these things so that we may worship him in the right way so that we may learn what is delightful what is pleasing what is acceptable worship before the lord and in contrast god is saying for you mamlakites god wants us to seek the worship that is good and i get that from verse 14 that says this if you may seek good not evil that you may live amos gives us to us a clue on on what acceptable worship is that this is a worship that seeks to do good that this is a worship that engages the heart it is a worship that perhaps translate to our devotion or translate our devotion to action it is one that has effect on our lives is total devotion seek that which is good that whenever we perhaps we go wrong that we go to god and confess and that profession bears fruits from within it is not a worship that is inconsistent it's a worship that is undivided it is a worship that is consistent i love these words of paul in romans chapter 12 that says therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercies to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god for this is your spiritual act of worship but i'm afraid this may not make sense to to us you may ask pastor what are you talking about i'm not getting you this is vague let us go deeper verse 24 seeking good 
In verse 24 says, But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Friends, we can never remove the issues of justice and holiness from our worship of the Lord. If we claim to be children of God, then we must lift up our voices. For those who are being oppressed, we must never remain silent. This is a mandate of Christians. In any case, it's not the mandate of the civil rights movement or human rights movement only. The people who should be at the forefront of saying we want justice in our nation, in our families, in our homes. It is actually believers, it's you and me that we need to be at the forefront. We must walk in integrity and reject that which is crooked, that which denies God his own glory. We must hate what God hates and love what God loves. That is what God is saying by talking about justice, that let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. But many times we approach God with a worship that is periodic or a periodic pause from our sins. We go and sin, then we come and worship. Then we go back to sinful living. God is, need, is not seeking periodic pause from our, from our sins. God is seeking his honor from us at all times. So friends, as much as Amos gives here a sketch of true and false worship, we must know, nevertheless, that no Christian worshiper is perfect. Your worship will never be perfect before the Lord. It is never perfect. We are full of imperfections, tainted by sin. But even in our shortcomings, God is so kind and marvelous that he gladly accepts worship that comes from a sincere and a contrite heart, a broken heart. God accepts that worship because it honors God and God redeems his one and lifts them up so that they can even worship him more. So this is not a call to perfect worship. This is a call to a broken spirit, a broken heart of worship. One that understands how fallen they are, their heart is, and one which trusts God to redeem them. I pray that as we continue with this book, that we are going to offer our Lord not a worship that is shallow or corrupted or divided, but we are going to seek to do that which is good in the eyes of the Lord and also in our country in our church and in our families. May the Lord bless you.